welcome to Digitel, a leadership blog mini-series where we chat about navigating the digital healthcare world. We'd like to thank Chime, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives, for sponsoring this mini-series. In our first episode, we heard from Natasha Phillips that clinicians are vital to ensure digital solutions are implemented safely and effectively, and she talked a bit about what she and her team are doing to ensure that we have the workforce available with the right skills to deliver on this. Today we're going to be talking to two nurses who are quite new to the digital space about their roles, their hopes for the future and why they think it's important to have nurses working in digital health. I'm particularly excited about this discussion because I'm also quite new to digital nursing. I started about two and a half years ago and I still feel like I've got loads to learn. Um, So hopefully I can learn lots from Emily and Beth today. So joining me today are Beth Allen and Emily Dean. Beth is a digital nurse implementer at the Christie NHS Foundation Trust. She's worked there since she qualified in 2018 in various roles and she started her digital role this year. And Emily is a digital nurse specialist at Sussex Community Foundation Trust, which is where I work as well. She qualified as a nurse in 2012 and she's worked as a community nurse and a tissue viability nurse before moving into her digital role in 2021. Emily and Beth, thank you so much for joining us on Digital. How are you both today? Good, thank you. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hello. So to start us off, I'm going to ask you what drew you to digital nursing and maybe Beth, you'd like to start us off on that one. Um, Yeah, so initially as a band five, I was one of the digital champions on my ward um, and Louise, who's also a Florence Nightingale fellow, um, she kind of pulled me in and was saying, well, would you look at some care plans with me? Um, And then sort of through that, through her sort of pulling me into the digital space, I realised I found it really interesting. Um, And so then when a job came up within the digital team, I applied for a job as a digital nurse and was thankfully really successful at getting that job. Um, Because, I mean, I'm learning loads of new skills. Um, You know, I I loved working on the ward. I love the clinical skills I was learning, but I'm learning completely new skills in this job. Um, And yeah, very new, very different challenge, but a good one, definitely. Fantastic. And how about you, Emily? Was it similar or some a different way in? Um, so yeah. So like Beth, I was um, was a champion user in my um, tissue viability role. And then um, when we were updating our um, the way we do our dent- data entry on our EPR, we um, I was kind of leading on that. So I was working with um, the people who are already doing the job that I'm in now, and some of the config analysts trying to kind of do that. So I, it sort of sparked my interest. And then I reached out, in fact, to you, Antonia, and asked, um, and you put me in touch with some of the other members of the team. Um, and yeah, and the job came up as a comment. And then that was a year ago. And I haven't looked back since. I love it. So Brilliant. I think, thank goodness that we we lured you both into it. I know <laughs> in our team, we're very grateful to have Emily. And I'm sure that Louise and the rest of the team in the Christie are delighted to have you, Beth. So I think some nurses might be quite surprised that this is a role that you can do while maintaining your registration. It's not, uh, it's quite a, a kind of new um, sort of thing for nurses to be doing, really. Um, and I wondered if you could tell us some of the ways that you're using your clinical skills in the role that make it okay for you to still be able to revalidate and, and manage to keep being a nurse, even though you're not necessarily patient-facing anymore. Emily, do you want to start us off on that one? Um, so I think um, so. A, a huge part of sort of the digital role is is that risk management that I think you just do as soon as you've qualified, as soon as you're a learning student. It's such a big aspect of your clinical care is that risk management and making sure the patient is getting the best kind of care so I think that's that's kind of how I keep clinical but also we work so closely with the clinical services within um within our trust to when we're doing digital transformations and things like that that it really helps to really understand and be able to put the clinical skills that you've done so you can 
workers in, in between for for both the um the clinical staff and the conflict analysts who probably don't have that clinical so you get to use a lot of your clinical knowledge there as well and anything to add on that beth do you use different clinical skills in the Christie? Yeah, no, I definitely agree um, with what you're saying about sort of being the go-between. Definitely feel like that. Um, and I was really lucky because I actually did the band five rotation at the Christie. So I worked a bit on inpatients, a bit on outpatients and a bit on critical care. So being that go-between when you know people around the trust is really, really useful. Um, I do also find that I do a lot of bartering. So I actually do still use my clinical skills because sometimes I've been on the ward and I'm like, oh, I just need five minutes of your time to talk to you about this or talk to you about that. And obviously as is everywhere, we're really short staffed and you know, a lot of the necessary, I don't have five minutes. I'm like, right, well, what can I do to give you five minutes? Okay, I'll, I'll do a round of blood pressures for you or I'll do this for you, or I'll do that. So I kind of barter. So I am still using my clinical skills quite regularly um, just so that I can still also do my digital job. <laughs> That's an amazing thing to hear because I think um, in our digital team, Emily and I often find ourselves visiting clinical because our it's a community trust, so we're really geographically dispersed all over the countryside. Yeah. Um, and visiting those teams, you you of course you find yourself working with the clinical teams if you're there with them, and it's a really nice way to kind of build relationships, isn't it? And so that you're able to, um, and then you kind of informally offer tips about like, oh, this is a way you can use the system better or things like that so it's it, lots yeah, of it's definitely. the informal communication skills that we that we use as well I think um, yeah Emily. yeah because I'm uh, with one of the uh, digital transformations we're going through recently I've offered my services because um, so because we're out and about we have mobile working so which doesn't look the same on our EPR as the live system so people struggle with it a bit more so because the trainers can't do that kind of face-to-face -face training while they're out clinically seeing patients and do that on the kind of job teaching so I always offer my services through the digital transformation to be like do you want me to come and then give you tips about how to use mobile working and come and see the patients because it is obviously something that I enjoy doing working in a community trust and going around so and I bet Beth that your um, rotational post was really helpful for you because um, often I find that I've got a community nursing background um, but we've got tissue viability nurses or heart failure nurses or um, lots of uh, therapy ser led services that I don't understand very much about and that's quite difficult to then be the translator between the digital team and the clinicians so having had a really varied role before you came to it do you find that to be quite useful? Yeah definitely because even though it was a six or six month in each area rotation so I had sort of a good sort of basic insight into the clinical side but then like you say, actually, it really helped with the digital side as well and understanding like the workflows in each area. So when we are bringing in new systems or trying to change our EPR, I can be like, OK, well, that would work for an inpatient area, but maybe not for outpatients or, you know, critical care might do things differently there. So it has really helped with my understanding and how we can implement things digitally as well. And Emily, you've obviously got your community nursing and your tissue viability, but I expect you agree with me that because of our massively varied services, that's quite a challenge. Yeah, so we have split our team quite like, which is really useful. So I look after a lot more of the specialist services because they do work kind of different. So I tap into the community nursing, where, which was my background, but I did tissue viability for about six years. So, and specialist services kind of tend to work slightly differently. And because of tissue viability goes into the inpatients and go into lots of different it does give me that kind of a uh, bit more of a an awareness of the other ways that people work so that's been quite useful so. brilliant so you've told me both of you actually have told me a bit already about what your role involves but Emily can you tell us kind of give us a bit of a day in the life of a digital nurse um so 
um, as we said, we go through digital transformation. So we work with the clinical services um, to best enhance their use of the EPR and other di digital practices, so medical devices and other things that possibly they could be using to help streamline their practice and make it more easy for them to work and use digital. Um, so we do that. So currently I have two of them going on. Um, I also, I have a, quite a heavy involvement in the medical devices and the safety case reports for all the medical devices within the trust. So it's something that we've got a bit of a backlog from. So we, we're going through and, and kind of doing those kind of all of them because it's amazing how many medical devices that you don't think of that are actually digital that need these safety case reports that have um, been coming through. Things just like your simple digital blood pressure machines and things like that. So, um, so I do a lot of that. Um, I also go to a lot of the um, kind of specialist review meetings and see if there's any digital aspects that I can cover in them. So we'll go to um, kind of just the forums that they have. So I cover diabetes, so I'll go to a diabetes forum to sort of see if there's anything digitally I can do with them. Um, we're doing a lot of work on wound care, so and like digital apps for wound care. So we do a lot of the app process, the safety cases for them, kind of do all that kind of finding them. So. Um, I think that's that's sort of most of what I do. There is loads, and I've probably missed loads of bits. Cause, but um, but yeah, that's good fun. I think you've represented what it is really, which is that it's such a varied role, and that people might think, oh, digital nursing must be quite um, you're sort of limited in quite a small scope. But actually, because you link with so many different services, and there's so many different um, types of change in digital, and like digital means masses, doesn't it? So yeah, it's a really varied role. One of the other things that uh, we do is obviously some of the national things that come out. So obviously the sequins are a really big thing at the moment. So I've been working quite a lot on the sequins and how that we can implement the reporting needs through clinical processes through our digital system. So working with reporting and the the kind of uh, the leads for the areas that the sequin needs to be done, so we can get that process done, get it implemented, get the the training done for the staff so that they understand what the processes are, why they need to do them and not have to do anything manually audit wise. So. Do you mind just explaining what a sequin is in case any of our Sorry, yeah. Don't know? So the sequin is um is a national um strategy where um trusts have to um meet certain criteria. So it's quality um quality data to make sure that we're doing it. So currently the ones that we're working on are a leg ulcer one, so patients with a lower limb wound. Um has to have a Doppler and an assessment within two weeks and then be within the correct treatment. So when we, at each point you have to do it. And again, in the inpatients, we're looking at pressure ulcers and must, so they have to have had the assessment and then the care plan done. And then because of that, we'll then um, get money as the trust. So um, for, for completing them and, and meeting the criteria. So. so quite a big focus on data and how we make sure that we're giving accurate information, which is often a big part of our role and a bit that the NHS are still working quite hard to get right, I think, in a lot of places. So, Beth, does that sound, is your role quite similar or is it very different in an acute trust? Um, yeah, it sounds quite similar, like you say, giving that digital insight into various meetings and forums and things with the clinical staff. Um, one of the first projects I've been on, I've only started in April as a digital nurse, but um, one of the projects I've been on is the bleep replacement system. Um, so we're going, obviously, from the very old-fashioned pager to an app-based system. So, again, it's about you know, discussing that with the staff, training um, them on it. And we're doing the pilot at the moment just to see how they find it, working with the, um, you know, with Alertive, the company that we're using to kind of get the app how we want it and how it will work in our trust. Because um, obviously every hospital and every trust is so different. 
Um, so that's been really interesting. And yeah, like I say, a lot, lots of like the teaching and the rollout as well, working with the clinical teams quite closely. Do you do much around the clinical safety of systems or is that split out differently in your trust? Um, yeah, um, we have been doing a lot of audit work as well on our sort of risk assessments. Um, and on the back of that, we've been purchasing new weighing scales as well to get like your correct data input and making sure that, like you say, that that care plan, that digital risk assessment is is right for us and right for our patients. And how can we improve and change that if needed? Um, so, yeah, a lot of the audit work as well we've been doing since I started. So hearing both of your um, kind of day in the life there shows that there's there's just masses going on in digital nursing um, and, it, and it changes every day. And I think that is reflective of what's happening in, in digital in the world, really, isn't it? That things change very quickly and the NHS needs, I mean, aren't keeping up with the rest of the world, I would say, but, but I need to try and, and kind of increase that pace, which takes a lot of people to make it safe and make it work well. Um, and Beth, you were mentioning there a bit about some of the change management that you have to work really closely with clinical teams because they're dealing with change all the time and digital is just another one of the many things that they're dealing with. So it's really nice to hear that that um, your trust is focused on making sure that you're supporting those staff and helping them with these with all these quite big changes that are happening. So I was thinking a bit about if you're new into this job and you you had you've told us a bit about the reasons why you wanted to do it and i i thought perhaps you might have some personal ambition around what you want to achieve in your role over the next couple of years and i know that's kind of a bit of a push of a question because things change as we say quite quickly in digital so you might not know but um do you, so do you have anything that you're personally hoping to achieve over the next couple of years um that you could maybe tell us a bit about beth um i think i would love for the christie to be paperless um, we're really lucky that we've got a, uh, an EPR. We've had it for a long time. Um, we are currently in the process of rebuilding that because it's getting quite out of date now. Um, so um, that's one thing that we're sort of, we already have and we're improving on, but you know, we're hopefully moving to sort of prescribing online and ordering bloods online without having to handwrite on the bottles and all of these things. That I know other trusts are probably doing, um, but we're trying to catch up. Um, you, you know, new glucometers we're bringing and hopefully, you know, the result will just go straight into the EPR. So all really clever things. So hopefully we can get rid of all those paper charts that bunch at the end of the bed um, in the time that I'm still a digital nurse. I'll, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> it's a tough job that getting rid of paper, isn't it? I think it feels like it goes on forever. You think you've done it and then suddenly another bit of paper comes out of the woodwork and you're like, where have you hidden that? And why didn't you bring it to us when we came and to visit? I'm terrible when I was on the ward for having to-do list in my pocket as well on paper so I think even if all your charts are paperless we will still have nurses with paper in their pockets with their little tick list so that'll be another another challenge for me I think. <laughs> I'm still like that even though I work in digital I write all my to-do lists by hand and I keep trying other ways of doing it digitally and none of them make me happy. I just have to have a piece of paper. <laughs> the satisfaction of the tick isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and I feel like it, I shouldn't be saying this on this podcast but I'm going to anyway because I think it's better to be honest about the, the, the chat the reason why things are challenging but things don't go into my head properly if I type them in on a to-do list on the computer. If I've written them down it feels like it kind of lands better and stays in my head so I wonder if maybe what that's one of the reasons why everybody keeps pieces of paper in their pockets <laughs> because it makes them kind of connect better with the information so maybe we need to think about that as a kind of digital nursing profession about how we can make it so that digital tools still fulfill the purpose that that people were using it for because so there's lots of different barriers aren't there and if we if we digital nurses all wanted to to do list in our pocket then maybe <laughs> maybe it's a, a bit of a more challenging than we'd than we first thought 
so I, I think it's the visual as well isn't it the thing is that you can have it online but it will be saved somewhere else so it won't be like right so I've got my pad in front of me on my desk so it's really easy to just look down and go oh actually no I've got to look at this whereas if I use an online system I do end up I find sticky notes really handy that just come on things so I have a lot of sticky notes on my desktop because then I uh then I can see them much easier so digital sticky notes yeah not yeah yeah no not not actual sticky (laughs) not like (laughs) but the the actual the the app on our computers with sticky notes so I, I tend to make a lot of just very random ones across my my desktop because then at least they're really in my in my line of sight when I'm doing any work on the computer so it's a good point and if you're on a ward so obviously in we work the three of us probably work quite a lot on our computers in meetings things like that but if you're a, a nurse on the ward or in the community if we're saying to them you need to write all your things digitally and they haven't got like if it's on their laptop and that, that's not a convenient way of doing it, is it? So how are yeah. they going to, how are we going to... not a of... good idea to put something really important you need to remember to do on a device that you're not looking at all the time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think there's added risks, aren't there? And if we want paper out of pockets, I know that's... Um, Dion Rogers has got that as a hashtag that she did at her hospital. She's the CNIO. She's recently moved. But yeah, that was her, her Florence Nightingale project. Paper out of pockets was her... Um, her like big project name and hashtag and it's such a great one but it's lots of hospitals and lots of community trusts are still working on it after a long time of one of having that goal so um yeah really interesting to think about why so i suppose maybe if you had it on your phone then you could have that still in your pocket and it's still on you yeah but you still have to go into it don't you and go into Mm -hmm. an app and but then I guess we're doing our bleeps (laughs) on our phone so i guess you'd be going on your phone to contact i don't know yeah, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so pages are something that have been around in all hospitals forever. Nobody's found a good way of doing it differently. So you're going to use an app which beeps to your phone when there's a message. Yeah, essentially. And it's a bit more like WhatsApp that you can send a message as well. So obviously it's not just sort of a bleep with no context. You can you can kind of give the clinician that you are bleeping, you know, an idea of what they are responding to. Um so it is, it is a good app, and it, if it's an emergency, it will cut through the silent on your phone, which I think is the best feature. Um, so, brilliant. yeah, you, you definitely know that you're getting bleeped. <laughs> and as the digital nurse on that, are you doing the work to engage with the medical staff as well as the nursing staff, or do you mostly deal with the nurses and you have equivalent staff working with the doctors? Um, so I'm working quite closely with the project manager um, and one of our critical care outreach nurses, Um So we are kind of representing sort of the medics and the nurses um, because, um, yeah, our critical care outreach nurse obviously works more closely with the medics. So she's probably got a bit of a better relationship with them. Um, And then I can obviously build that build that in with the nurses because I've got quite a good network in the hospital, as I said, from doing my rotation. So, yeah, that's kind of how we've we've tag teamed that one. Fantastic. I know that we've started looking at a little bit at similar products for our intermediate care units. So we're a community trust, but we do have some bedded units. We're kind of stepped down from hospital, um, but it's very early stages of starting to look. So Beth, will probably get in touch with you when we, when we want to know Please more do. about your system. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how about you, Emily? Are there some, are some of, have you got some personal aspirations for your role in digital over the next couple of years? Uh, so yeah standardization is a really big thing for me so we have a lot of duplication within our epr 
So people love to write basically the past medical history. So every service wants to write the past medical history. There's no kind of way that we capture that in a nice standardized way where it's just there. And it's so, yeah, trying to streamline our, our EPR. Um, and obviously with my second passion as wound care, having a wound app that is used across our whole ICS. So therefore, if you're GP, you go to the GP and see the practice nurse. And if you are in a... a um, in a community team or a tissue viability nurse, something that we all share so that everyone has access to all of the care plans and all of the all of the stuff that you need for looking after a patient really holistically across all, all places. So that's a big thing for me at the moment. Emily and Beth both would have seen me go, yeah, when Emily was saying that, because I'm really <laughs> delighted that she's um, seeing that wound up as one of her personal ambitions for the next couple of years, because it's a thing that the pair of us have been working a bit on together and that I've now kind of said here you go Emily take that on yourself and so I'm really looking forward to seeing where you go with it I think there's um that feels like something really um innovative and exciting to to be able to scan an app with use your app to scan a wound which then can give you information about that wound and the wound bed and the measurements and what kind of dressing you might want to put on it will really um increase the the kind of quality of care and the and the way we reduce variation depending on who's seeing something and that I think it feels like that's what we might have thought the future would look like you know and, and it's it, like it's something that when we were young you might have seen it like a a film about the future where that happens and finally we're getting closer to having something like that so it's really exciting but it also um, makes me a bit nervous because that's giving quite a lot of power to an app isn't it and so I think that's why it's really important to have Emily or, or, or her equivalent in other, in other trusts doing the work to make sure that we know that that app can do that safely and what are all the, safe, what are all the mitigations we need to make sure that um, we're not just relying solely on, on, a, on an app to tell us exactly what to do with no kind of clinical reasoning or thought about what we're doing. So I think exciting stuff happening there. And Emily, I can't wait to see the work that you do on that one. <laughs> um, so the next um, thing kind of relates quite a lot to what you've just been talking about. You've talked about some of your personal ambitions and hopes for your own areas of work. But what are your hopes for the NHS as a kind of bigger picture as we're moving on this digital journey and, and working together across? I mean, there's been a lot of changes around like ICS is happening now and, and um, lots of different ways of funding digital that change all the time so thinking about the bigger picture Emily do you want to start us off with what your what you think are the hopes for your for the NHS as we're moving forward digitally I think uh, it's it's all about that massive interoperability and that that standardization and just being able to see everything that is regarding that patient easily to, regardless if you're in a community trust and acute trust so if there's information you need that you can you have access to it as well as all these amazing innovative things that are, are going on all these new medical devices that can do lovely weird and wonderful things um that is just going to enhance that patient care to so that they just can get everything they need so much easier um and so much better so it's um there's a lot of possibility isn't there but it's kind of for me it, it feels like we need to really focus on doing it in a thoughtful considered way because up until recently it feels a bit like oh we'll try that thing we'll do that thing and and then that's why we end up with too many systems and nothing fits together and it's complicated for patients and complicated for staff isn't it so I completely agree with you interoperability is top of the list and how about you Beth what are your hopes for the NHS? Um, I think definitely I know there's already been lots of discussions and a big emphasis on virtual wards um, I think you know remote 
monitoring of patients, hopefully reducing the strain on having loads of inpatients and having people being monitored, you know, at home where they feel comfortable and they feel safe. Um, I think it will just improve the patient experience. And like you say, utilize the technology that's out there. The NHS just needs to kind of grab hold of it and run with it and, and use what what is out there, as I said. I think you're right that having um, using tech to help us reduce the pressure on hospitals and the pressure on health service generally. So lots of emphasis on self-care and apps that can deliver information that can help people do the right thing and access to records so that patients can see what's going on and make the right choices because of that. I think these are the kind of um, the things that we really need to focus our attention on and make sure that we're um, I, I don't know about you two, but I sometimes look at my diary and I think what in here is helping patients and what in here am I just going to meetings for you know so I think lots of it we need to um, it's easy to get swept up in the day job and, and you know all on this bit of a hamster wheel but to try and really um, rationalize our work and think how are we doing work here that that releases time to care and that gives power back to the patients and all of these kind of really great aspirations that we want for the NHS um, how are we making sure that we do that in our jobs as digital nurses so I don't know that's a challenge for myself that I try and do all the time and go what am I doing here am I doing good things or not such good <laughs> things um, and I think yeah I'd say that's probably something worth doing for anybody who's working in a role that they're not patient facing directly to try and remember. Emily. I was just going to say, and I think um, as digital nurses, it's really important. So as, as we all know, patients will quite happily get on Google and, and search for things. So having that kind of more control within the NHS of saying, actually, you know, you want to look up all these things and be involved in your self-care. These are things that we can recommend for you so that they're not just coming back and saying, oh, I Googled it and I got all this information, stuff like that. So being able to have that avenue and be able to talk to them about all the patients, about what's the safest kind of things that they can look up and the apps that we recommend and the devices that we would recommend is really uh, important to me because it's that, it's that patient safety aspect of the job role that, that I really enjoy as well. So. Yeah, it's a great point. And relating to that a bit, I think I was interested to talk about how you think that this is going to impact on patients. And I'll ask Beth that question mainly because I know you've got some personal experience of this. So do you want to tell us a bit about that? Um, yes. Yeah, so I, um, I'm i diabetic. I'm type 1 diabetic. I was diagnosed uh, as quite a young baby. So um, basically had it my whole life. Um, and during COVID, um, they were able to still look at my blood sugars with my uh, sort of remotely using the continuous um, blood glucose monitoring, my Libra 2. Um, and I was still able to have consultations with the nurse and with um, my endocrinologist. They they telephoned me. Um, so I had really seamless um, sort of monitoring from them. And, and even though I couldn't go into the hospital to have my appointments, I still felt um, like they were monitoring me really closely and I was still getting that contact. Um, so I had a really, really positive experience of that um, with with the trust that looks after me in Manchester. So I was really, really grateful. Um, so yeah, and obviously technology enabled that completely. What was the communication like about when you started off with using these new bits of tech? Did did you, um, we, were you supported quite well to understand how they worked and how that would impact your care and how, how did the clinicians provide that information for you? Um, yeah, so I've been really lucky. I was on a diabetes pump since I was 10. So I've been on a pump for about 15 years. Um, and I still remember going to like my teaching session with the nurse and it was really thorough. And I think I was in for about two hours with obviously with my mom um, and, you know, setting it up. And then every time I've had an upgrade on a pump, um, they've been really good at getting the reps in and, and again, doing a really thorough sort of two hour teaching session on how to use that device. Um, 
and then again with the with the Libra two, um, no longer in the Libra anymore, but with the Libra two, um, again, luckily I got that pre-COVID, so I was able to go into the clinic and be shown how to use that and shown how to insert it and what to do and um, and obviously any issues they're always so you know easy to contact and they'll always call you back if you have to leave a message really promptly um so i always felt safe in knowing that i had those lines of communication as well sort of in as well as receiving them out um so yeah it's it, i think it definitely as a patient from a patient perspective it does make you feel really really safe especially managing a condition like diabetes where i've had it for so long i can probably be um you know you can be a little bit of a control freak about things sometimes so it's really nice to get that sort of that safety net and know that it's there for you have there been any downsides do you think to using digitally enabled care as a patient um, only when it goes wrong <laughs> i think you know at the moment um, i've been really lucky i'm now on the medtronic cgm um and it is brilliant it's so clever it's bluetooth chats to my pump and my pump gives me insulin or stop giving me insulin based on my blood sugars which are checked every five minutes it's so so clever um and so i'm so grateful and when it works i'm on cloud nine but then when it doesn't work um it, it really stresses me out because you know if, if the connection goes or the battery goes or it falls out or it's not been inserted properly and all these horrible little frust frustrations it's more than anything it's frustrations um when it goes wrong but obviously when it goes right i'm i've seen such a change in technology from when i was obviously first diagnosed as a as a well, as a baby but as a small child i've seen so many different you know um blood glucose monitors and different pumps and different injection pens and then right through to you know how things are now where it essentially does it for me um you know 90 percent of the time um so i have seen a lot of advances but yeah the technology is great but when it goes wrong it's just very frustrating that's my main downside <laughs> i think that's the case with anything isn't it that when things whatever the thing is when it goes wrong that's the frustration but it sounds mm. like it doesn't happen too often and that it's improving and getting better so yeah definitely definitely um even just i mean the sunny weather that we're having now i know that my sensor might fall out <laughs> oh really oh my because goodness <laughs> the, the heat um just melts the glue that sticks it on so it's just things like that but then you get your experience and you know to put extra dressings on or you can buy special dressings so it's it's just things like that that you just learn over time um but obviously when it first happens it's again frustrating and you're obviously you work in as a digital nurse so you're pretty capable and you can understand this stuff and you're probably the perfect patient for your diabetes specialist because you'll get all of this stuff really well but do you think there are patient groups that this really wouldn't work for or that would be uh, that would find it much more difficult than you um yeah i can obviously imagine you know maybe if someone was a little bit older or you know um they might struggle a little bit with the technology um and maybe getting their head around it i think i actually did have a patient who um well they were on another ward and someone rang me and was like i know that you're on this libra scanner we've got a patient and the district nurse normally changes it for him you know he was a bit of an elderly gentleman and maybe he struggled to reach around to his arm and you know flexibility and things um because it can be a bit fiddly and they were like can you just come down and, and help us change it and i was like yeah of course i can you know it's, it's a two minute job um but obviously you know if it's something that the district nurse has always done for that patient and then they become an inpatient then it's a struggle and if the education for the nurses if they don't know how to use it um on on the wards you know in the hospital then and um, you know we don't have a specialist diabetes ward um because we're only a small oncology trust so we've you know luckily i was on shift otherwise i don't know what they might have done um so yeah there's there probably would be patient groups that might struggle um 
yeah, like I say, I mean, the first that comes to mind is probably older people that aren't so used to having an iPhone or, you know, all of the technology that maybe, um, you know, slightly younger people are used to. It's interesting that idea about how um, elderly, more elderly patients, perhaps are, they've not grown up with tech and so it's maybe less likely that they'll be really comfortable with it. Although, you know, we need to challenge that sometimes because sometimes the really elderly ones oh, are the absolutely. really fantastic ones. But yeah. but the, the, even if um, we've got a very elderly population that didn't grow up with tech, that's less and less happened. Like are people who are in their 30s and 40s in a few years, you know, in... 30 years time they're going to be the very elderly ones and they're all very used to it so we need we're not in the not too distant future the very elderly will still be incredibly used to tech so we need to get the tech to catch up so that we can make sure that everybody has who has an expectation of using it will be able to in their old age so I think it's um exciting and, and but yeah thank goodness you were on shift on that for that person I suppose they'd have had to <laughs> go back to finger pricking wouldn't they and <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely oh thank you Beth because it's really it's good to hear it from a like from a patient is a really important perspective in the NHS, isn't it? And one that we sometimes are not so good at hearing. Yeah. We don't, we don't, um, we don't ask patients to talk about their journeys. And I'm really grateful that we were able yeah. to get not only the nursing view, but also the patient <laughs> view on that. It's, it's a, we, we're very lucky on this podcast to have you, I think. And so um, Emily, I think we've heard a bit about how it impacts patients, but how do you think that the changes that are happening digitally will impact on clinicians? Um, I think uh, as clinicians, I think all of us know it's the time that's the valuable thing. It's the time that we want to spend with our patients that, you know, and so with all the access to remote monitoring and stuff like that, you can really focus on those really poorly patients. Um, and and the so I think um, just trying to streamline processes, make sure that, you know, they they have the time to provide that care is really important. Um, and not spend hours and hours writing writing notes. And I know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of hard kind of changes around that inputting data into a system where actually because it's coded, you don't need to write that big narrative story that as as nurses we really love to write pages and pages. <laughs> so um, so yeah, so it's a really hard thing to change. But I think the way that we can now input data to record really sort of um, pathways and, and patient journeys will eventually streamline it for clinicians so they don't need to spend so much time um which again then will will affect the patient care and then using all these devices that can um that can enhance the skills like beth obviously much happier with her with her pump and stuff than having to do that thing so i think being able to do that for a patient and empower the patient as a clinician i find that really 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 a great thing that we can do for the patients absolutely fantastic yeah I think reducing that burden of documentation on clinicians is really key I was hearing uh, recently I was at a conference and I heard um, an American CNIO speaking about some technology that she's I don't think they're using it yet but they can see it being developed and they're really excited to see it which is ambient note-taking where nobody would need to write anything into the system because an AI would be listening in the patient's room and would document what had happened for you can you imagine oh my God. I think we're quite a long way off that, but I think (laughs) it's good to think about the exciting things in the future that might completely transform the way that we work as nurses. Never having to document anything and knowing that it was all accurate would be just extraordinary wouldn't it but anyway I don't think we're there yet so let's, let's not get too excited. I know. Well, there's a lot of risk around that as well isn't there so we'd have to think quite carefully about how that would work and in maybe in American private hospitals where they're all in private rooms that might be easier whereas on a ward where like there's everything going on around you with loads of different patients it might not be so easy but it's interesting to think about the future 
given how quickly things are moving now in digital and what, where we might be able to go. So I've actually got two extra questions that I didn't warn you about in advance because I've been thinking while you've been talking. So if you don't have any um, thoughts on it, that's fine. I can cut this bit out. But I thought I'd just ask because, you know, it's a conversation, isn't it? So you're both in digital nursing roles, fairly new into it. And what I'm interested to think about is what learning and resources you might need to be able to develop in this role and to be able to um, to know what you need to know to be able to do it really effectively. So there's quite a lot about at the moment. There's there's um, there's lots of like the Florence Nightingale um, digital scholarships we've already talked about and like, there's the Digital Academy. But I think those things <clears throat> are really focused on the kind of lead the people who are maybe a bit further along in their digital nursing journeys. And so when you're starting off in this role, what do you think would be helpful um, for you to develop and have you got access to that already or is it something you need that you think that needs to still be developed? Um, who should I pick on first given nobody's thought about it? Beth. <laughs> um, I've, I was really lucky um, because obviously Louise went to go to her Florence Nightingale Fellowship um, but there was a cut over when we were both sort of still working in post at the Christie and is she that Louise was... Cave who works yes. with you at the Christie yeah yeah um and she was so good at giving me loads of resources loads of reading you know because she'd been in the role for two years so she could really signpost me to all the right things um to kind of read to get my head around it um and I mean everyone in my team has been absolutely brilliant um in introducing me to the right people even within the team and and you know just so I can get through my day-to-day -day job but also um you know, like I say, showing me the, the literature and, you know, the news and what's out there and, and what's going on sort of bigger picture. Um, so I can kind of understand where we fit in as one trust within what's going on sort of um, in the wider NHS. So, yeah, just all I just I've read all sorts. I had weeks and weeks of just trying to absorb as much information as I could. Um, but yeah, that was that was it. Thank you. And what about you, Emily? Um, I think it's the networking that's a really big thing for me. There's 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 so many around um, and just not knowing where to turn with any of them, to be honest, because everyone's like, oh, I'm part of this network and I'm part of this network and there are so many. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's where I um, where I really need to start looking now. So after being a year and kind of finally getting my head around what I'm actually doing within the role and um, and how to manage it, it's now putting out those feelers to try and see what's going on much wider and and getting in all that information to help that's something for our listeners then let's see if any of our listeners would like to contact emily dean and invite her to their networks <laughs> um no i think that's right it's um there are masses of networks and that, that kind of focus on specific parts of this and um and i chair one about repr which is system one and we've got a network for that which is open to anybody across the country and that's really helpful because we can talk specifically about system one and the issues that we're having or sharing templates or whatever it is but there are also ones about if you're a digital nurse and you can you know speak to other digital nurses whereas my one maybe is more multi-professional so thinking about what you need from a network is probably the way to narrow it down and think what am i looking for and what, what where am i going to learn that from it's really helpful um and i think there's a lot of people available who are very happy to share particularly on twitter actually i think twitter's a great resource i was just going to say about twitter as well you know if you follow the right people and people share articles and you know and again yeah meeting people that's how we met we met on twitter so yes we did <laughs> <laughs> and i'm very pleased we did it's been very useful <laughs> so 
I think before we go on to our final two questions that we ask all of our guests, I'm just going to ask whether you've got any tips for people who might be interested in a digital nursing role or um, are just very recently into one. What are your kind of top tips for people who are interested in this? So I, I think within our trust, we're quite lucky because we've got you, Antonio, and, and a lot of innovation that's going on. So we have lots of Teams channels and the, the things like that that people can get involved in. But I think to be honest, it is, it's Twitter, isn't it, is is the big thing. If, if people want to get involved and want to know what's going on digitally, if there's nothing specifically going on in their trust, then that's that's the place to go. I'm a particular Twitter novice and I don't really, I still don't really understand it, but I'm there now. <laughs> so so, um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's a real key thing is that kind of just trying to get yourself involved in anything going on. There's so much with, you know, within the NHS and digital because it's really ramping up now and I think it's a lot more visual and I know kind of I'd, I'd heard a, a little about it before I got into this world but as like now it just seems to have be everywhere so yeah quite similarly the first thing I thought when you asked questions just go for it if you're thinking about starting a career in digital or if you're you know just go for it give it a go because you know like I, like I said right at the beginning I did I loved working on the ward I really did but I've I've also really love this and it's so different but you can still you know I'm sort of feel like I'm helping my colleagues by if I can improve the EPR and like we were talking about reducing your time spent documenting and streamlining it then you're spending more time with your patients you're hopefully going home on time and getting a proper break all those things that we you know you really want for your teams and hopefully that's something that I can actually do and make quite a big difference so you feel like you can make quite a big impact even though you're not necessarily directly caring for patients um and obviously, if, if you know, that's if you're thinking about starting a career in digital, if you've already started one, then just go for it and take on every opportunity. You know, if someone had told me six months ago before I started this job that I was going to be on a podcast today, I would have laughed because, you know, but I just you messaged me and we had a chat and you said, you want to be on a podcast? And I said, yeah, why not? So, you know, but it's it's fun and it's different and it's um, yeah, you've just got to go for it. That's brilliant. Thank you. I think it's so nice to hear this kind of positivity around the difference that you can make. And that's it, isn't it? That If you're in a patient facing role, you have an impact on all the patients you visit that day. But if you're in a digital nursing role, then you could have a much wider impact than that all the time on all the clinicians who are using the EPR and all the patients who are being um, treated by those staff. So it's really, really impactful stuff and really um, exciting and positive place to work. And there's loads of networks and loads of support. So yeah, really great to hear that encouragement for people who might be interested. Um, so we've got these two questions which we are gonna ask all of our guests. And one of them, I'm really worried that everybody will answer this question exactly the same. Everybody's got the same answer and everybody I've interviewed so far does, but we'll see if you guys think the same. So what digital technology has most impacted your life and why? And let's start with Beth. Um, I know that you thought everyone's gonna say iPhone, so I thought I'd be different and say my insulin pump. Yes! Um, because <laughs> I got it when I was 10 and it just gave me so much more freedom. Um, you know, I was on I was on multiple injections a day and obviously now I've got my CGM, I've not all the blood sugars as well, but it just, it enabled me to not have such a fixed routine, um, you know, and, and, and be a kid, um, you know, be a bit more of a child. And, you know, um, I, I was allowed to go on sleepovers and things because, you know, my mom was less worried about my blood sugars because the pump had, gave me such much 
you know better control and obviously now with the CGM as well um, my blood sugars are so much more in range you know being a nurse it was really hard to keep those sugars in range when you're doing shifts and you're not taking your breaks at a normal time um, so I've had so much better control so I'm feeling much better about my diabetes and you know hopefully less complications in the future and all of those things that you worry about um oh I don't know I think Emily's uh, Beth's frozen so I'll ask you Emily the same question what technology has most impacted your life and why uh, after Beth's I feel like like I need to show you something that's really impacted me but do you know what my robot hoover is my favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> like because I could go for, you know, your, your standard, your phone obviously is a massive thing. Everybody is there. In our house, we are quite digital because me and both my partner work in IT. So we're full of Google speakers and, you know, we talk to the telly and everything like that. But the robot Hoover is literally one of the best things ever. It takes off so much pressure on, on getting the housework done because it's so little and I can have it on while in meetings. <laughs> oh my gosh that's such a good one and I think anything that means that you don't have to spend all your time houseworking will of course have a massive impact so I love that I love that we've had two answers that are not smartphone I can't believe that that's happened and I'm delighted um so we've I don't know we yeah we've lost Beth hopefully she'll join back in again but it means the pressure's on you Emily to tell us who, who would play you in a movie that was made of your life this is possibly one of like the hardest questions I think anyone's ever asked me <laughs> um, and, I, and I had to outsource so I've asked lots of people who they thought uh, I would be and it and it came down to I think uh, Drew Barrymore was was the the one that thing because she's a bit crazy but quite homely um, and yeah just just a, a good all-rounder which I think is is something that uh, which I kind of am as well. So. And she's hilarious and brilliant and gorgeous. And I think working with you, I completely agree that Drew Barrymore would be a great one for you. <laughs> well, look, we'll you. ask her. I'm sure she'll say yes. Of course. Yeah. Perfect. I'm not sure how exciting that film would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, as it looks like we've lost Beth, I'll have to just say to you, Emily, thank you so very much for coming and joining in. It's been so lovely to hear your stories and how open you've been about how it is to be a digital nurse. Um, and I know that listeners will have really enjoyed listening to that. And if Beth was here, I'd say the very same to her. But unfortunately, she's not. So she'll have to listen to the podcast and hear the thank yous on there. Um, I think um the future of digital nursing is, is looking bright with people like you working in it and i know that our listeners will really look forward to seeing what both of you do next um i think i'll just say thanks again to chime who are our fantastic sponsors and thank you to our listeners and if any of you want to find out more information about anything we discussed today please check out the show notes and i'll put lots of information in there and i'll also ask emily and beth who their top twitter followers are people who they follow for insights about digital so that people can um, t make the most of their information that they have there after that lovely Twitter chat. So that's all from us today. So it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from Emily. Thank you for the invite and goodbye everybody. And I'll see everybody next time for our next episode. Thanks for listening to Digitel, where we're navigating the digital healthcare world. Any views, thoughts and opinions expressed by the host or guests belong solely to them and not necessarily to their employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual.